What's going on, everyone? It's that time of the week where we talk about our feelings. Figuratively speaking, of course. <laughs> uh, welcome to episode 7. And on this episode, we're going to further our venture into my life as a budding designer by talking about my Korean pop, or K-pop for short, era. But before we do that, let's do our little weekly pandan check-ins. So it's actually been more than a week since my last upload, even though I've written this blog up probably a week ago. And um, some of you guys might have noticed that I've been posting blog uh, blog posts earlier than I record a podcast. And that's just because I just wanted to get it, uh, get it out of the way before I record. So what happened between then? Um, not so much. A few of uh, my friends' birthday popped up, and so we all tried to celebrate them as homely as we could. Uh, not like we could do anything outside, and not like we would do anything crazy uh, still. Uh, I think all of us has outgrown that age of going out and clubbing. I never had to outgrow that phase because I never had one in the beginning. <laughs> so kudos to me, right? But um, it was fun just to have four or five of us in the house and just having takeout food and having some cake to go along with it. I never really have parties myself since to me it's just like a normal day for me. So it's nice to uh, celebrate others and kind of take in that uh, additional uh enthusiastic type of day into my life. Um, what else? Uh, work has been okay. I've been just drumming along. Uh, it's been pretty busy because I've been uh, shuffling around different projects. And that's one of the things I really like about my current job. It's really nice to be able to refresh my sense of design by working with new user groups or maybe this project had a certain different way of setting up the design system and of course there's new challenges to solve to solve using uh, ui and ux um, this year i just keep on forgetting that you know i i have days off to to take and so actually today on friday i took the day off just to kind of keep my sanity levels in check and so as a good reminder to you guys that are working you know if you have the affordance to take a day off make sure you, you use them um don't try to save them for you know a big trip or or vacation unless unless you have those planned but i figured in the year 2020 i think most of our vacation plans have been canceled we're almost at the end of August. It is August 28th at the time of this recording. And so that means it's almost the end of my challenge that I set myself early on. I'm surprised I haven't bought anything at all from Amazon or any stores of that matter. The only thing I spent money on were mainly food and drinks to help with the um, birthday shenanigans. Uh, I also ended up 
ended up spending some money on some charity streams and causes and supporting my friend's book that just came out. I'll talk about that more later on. But other than that, it's been a very low-key August for me. And I hope everyone's August is going so well. Going well as well. Going well. Um, hope all my friends and family in California are staying safe and away from danger. I've been keeping my eyes on those fires and you know, it's very unfortunate that that's happening along with everything else is happening. And I feel like we're all being overwhelmed with the amount of things that we have to think about, we have to care about, and, you know, our attention has to be split in some way. So it's okay if you guys drop the ball on certain things, uh, but I know you guys don't uh, intend to do that. It's just lots of things are going on. Everyone else, uh, keep it safe. I know schools and places are reopening in some way, and at the same time, places are closing back down. And if there's anything to learn from this whole situation, is to learn that, you know, it's still, we're still in this unknown state right now. And to me, I think it's better to be safe than sorry. So try not to take unnecessary risks if possible. Uh, if you could push things out to the next year, that might help help uh, things better. But, you know, be wise and keep it safe. And that's all I have for Pandan check-ins. And let's get to our scheduled program. On today's episode, we're taking a trip down memory lane to talk about how I even got into K-pop or Korean pop, um, some of my adventures with it, and how it had an influence on not only my personal life, but also my professional life as a designer. So I guess we need to dive into how I got K-pop. And as I was writing this out, I was kind of juggling back between what was real or what was possibly made up. But so it's definitely a bit uncertain and foggy memories. Um, I don't know the exact years, but I do know that I was on a trip to Vietnam with my family. And this was during my childhood years. I don't think I was a teen yet, so but I might might have been like 12, 13 at the time. Or 11, 12, let's just say. I was around that age. Um, and there was a part in the trip where we had got stuck on a layover and we were happened to got stuck in one of the airports in China. I'm going to guess it's probably the Hong Kong airport. I don't even know if Hong Kong has an airport, but that's just the first uh, major city I'm thinking about right now. I just recall that airport being really huge and there was just like a bunch of stores and just bunch of people calling back and forth. So that layover was definitely long enough that my brother and I had the opportunity to just browse around. Uh, we ended up seeing this one shop that was just pretty much like 10 feet away. And 
it happened to be some type of music shop, a souvenir shop. and It oddly had like electronics, like CD players and things like that. It was interesting. And so from there, that's when I think I remember my brother buying CDs from there. And some of them were uh, Chinese pop CDs by these artists. And then one of the CDs happened to be a K-pop CD by Boa Kwan. And I remember it to be the number one album. This is where it was a little fuzzy for me because I think he bought it from this uh, trip. but I. Can't exactly remember because during the trip in Vietnam, we also bought a bunch of CDs and uh, bootlegged games for our PlayStation. So can't exactly remember where the uh, transaction happened. I just knew, but I believe the CD was real. So that's why I, I, I think we bought it at an actual real store rather than in Vietnam. But otherwise, um, the whole trip, I didn't even listen to the CD. I didn't even know about it. Uh, I didn't even know about the CD until probably once my brother left to college. But that was kind of my first introduction of seeing that CD. Uh, but I'd never listened to it until the future. So fast forwarding to my next memory recall, I remember I got more into Japanese pop. And that was because I was playing this game called Thousand Arms. It was a Japanese RPG for the PlayStation released in 1998. I had to look that up to make sure we're in the, in the right time frame now. But uh, it was an interesting game because for its time, it actually had voice acting, it had animated cutscenes, it had, you know, theme songs, and then it even had this, like, interesting dating mechanic to it. And I, di I didn't know at the time that I was uh, intrigued by dating these characters in the game. And I, I just thought of it as a way to level up your character, because as you take these uh, people onto dates, you get likeness level and then that likeness likeness level uh depicted what type of upgrade you had so there was a 13 year old dating uh playing a dating simulator pretty much nevertheless uh the singer as i was saying uh for the main theme song happened to be a japanese uh pop singer by the name of uh, yumi hamazaki and she uh, sang the main theme song of the game. I included it in the blog post just so people can hear what it was back then. And it was on point. Uh, so on point that uh, I think I introduced it to my brother in some way or he watched me play the game. And then we just ended up getting more of her songs. Uh, back then, the only way to get... <laughs> Asian songs were through the internet, and I'll let you guys do your imagination of how we acquired that. And then, you know, this kind of spiraled down to learning of artists like uh, Yutada Hikaru, uh, which most of you guys would know 
made a lot of music for Kingdom Hearts and other things, other games, and uh, and for me, this is where my attraction for Asian music probably started. Combining this with the introduction to music from Dance Dance Revolution, then at the time I, I was watching animes like Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon, and you know that that was kind of like the trigger point of like, oh, cool, this is a really cool genre of music. Now the turning point where I actually found out about K-pop or got into K-pop. Uh, was probably during my high school days and college days. Uh, as I mentioned before, I was really into forums. And forums are basically communities where you sign up, you make a, a username and password, and then you can just create posts and threads and talk to other people that are into the same topics. Um, you know, it was... Social media before it was social media. And so on these forums is where I made the most out of my Photoshop life, where basically I was making these graphics and banners and signatures for various K-pop forums, and I would always use pictures of my favorite artists at the time. And for those that knew me back then, my favorite artist at the time was Boa. And she still is, actually. Which, by the way, congrats to her. And uh, just recently, she just celebrated her 20th year since debuting as an artist. Uh, I believe it was on August 25th. So, yay! <laughs> she uh, started at the age of 13. Um, I think in U.S., that's 12 years old. Or... Um, Something like that. And it's kind of amazing to see her still at it and doing her thing. You know, Every artist in this industry has their mix of good promotions and bad ones. But I think she's proved to roll that, you know, with her hard work and persistent, you know, you can just still be relevant to, to today. Uh, she laid the foundation groundwork for a lot of Korean artists to actually break it out to the U.S. market. That's for sure. So uh, her story is really impressive for those that are curious to read up on her wik on her wiki someday. Um, enough of that sidetrack. I think the moment where I'm at the peak of K-pop on this edge. And the moment where I actually fell over the edge and now I'm just stuck into the K-pop realm was when I first decided to go to my first concert. And so this will be a fun story to talk about. My first concert of all time that I, obviously, uh, that I went to was coincidentally going to see BOA uh, perform. And this was it at the Korean Music Festival in 2007, which was hosted at the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles, California. Hollywood Bowl is kind of like this little, not little, but it's an amphitheater, like an open kind of 
concert place. I know a lot of uh, orchestras would play there, but quite coincidentally, I found out about Korean Music Festival somehow, and I saw that uh, Bo was performing. So here I was, uh, already past my first year of college. I was like, ugh. How am I going to do this? But I'm going to try to go there. This was probably by far one of my craziest trips that I've ever planned. Because A, I was a broke college student. B, I had no transportation at all. Meaning that, you know, I didn't have a car. I had a license, but I didn't have like a car or reliable way of getting there. And then C, I've never been to California, actually, uh, outside of going there when I was two years old, which, you know, I still, still to this day, I can't believe I did. Went to Disney and all that stuff. My mom would always show me pictures. That, you know, I don't remember anything about it. But um, I decided to take the risk and act upon, you know, put, put a goal of trying to go, go there. Uh, you know, because at the time, you know, I thought seeing my favorite artist perform was probably a once in a once in a time, once in a lifetime opportunity, and it's starting to look like that because this has been the only time I ever seen her perform in my life so far. Uh, so the measures I had to go through this to get this through to work, uh, get this to work was pretty impressive. Uh, of myself back then. So how did I afford it? I didn't have a job. I was in college, and all I was living off of was stipends from uh, the school, uh, that the school issues from your loans that you've acquired from FAFSA or Parent Plus Loan and things like that. So I'm a little, I'm a little ashamed that I did it this way, but. Uh, I guess the overall message is that I made it work <laughs> without anyone worrying or uh, thinking otherwise. Uh, so I basically just did ran, ran all the numbers. I correctly measured finances of what it cost to pay for tickets, um, transportation, getting a hotel for the two nights and still having the money to pay for my rent, my school supplies, and all the ramen noodles that I had to end up eating because they were cheap to survive for the month. So all all that was good to go. How did I get there? This was Another tricky thing to do. Obviously, I had no car. I was only in my, I guess you can say it's my sophomore year of college. I didn't really make a lot of friends. I just knew of uh, my uh, colleagues and where they lived. And you know, sometimes I would go over their places to play some games. But I didn't really have like friends, friends to say, oh, can you just take me here and there? Uh, luckily, uh, 
for a certain part of time, I had a natural ride planned. It was actually a classmate that wanted to tag along, and he said he could uh, drive both of us there. So I was like, okay, that's cool. I'll, you know what, just for that, I'll, I'll buy your ticket for you, and then we can go there. And, you know, I already have the hotels um, placed, and just have a fun time. Unfortunately, that fell apart. And so he had, a, he had to use the car for a different purpose. And so he's not able to use the car for all three days. I think, I think he was using a shared car, shared uh, family car at that time. There you go. I had to initiate a backup plan. And the only thing I could think of at the time was getting a bus ticket from Arizona, uh, from Arizona to California. Um, this wasn't the greatest trip I've had, and I hate bus rides because normally a car drive from Arizona to California is about five to six hours, and I think this bus ride must have been like eight or nine because I didn't arrive into California until possibly... 11 or even at midnight so it was just a long dragging ride so i got there um did i make it out alive so obviously i did otherwise i wouldn't be documenting this right now but i got there it was 11 o'clock now, imagine a college student that doesn't know where they're going. The iPhone hasn't even came out yet. Uh, I checked this out, and uh, this concert was in May, and the iPhone didn't come out until, like, June or July of 2007. Uh, my phone didn't have GPS support. I think I was using a Motorola Razer phone. Even if it had GPS support, uh, you know, my family didn't put, like, a data plan on it, so if I used data, it would have been, like, $5 for one meg to download, of download, so that wasn't out of the question, because uh, the whole whole idea is doing this trip and not worrying anybody, so my parents didn't know about this, and my brother definitely didn't know about this either, so I try to keep this very low-key. And so I got off the bus station, kind of lost. So I said, okay, um, judging from this map quest thing I printed out, it seemed like I just need to walk straight. All I, I knew, like, when I, the hotel I booked was just like a straight uh, walk from the bus station. So I'm walking straight, I'm walking straight. I have my 20-pound, like, laptop with me. Because the school provided us laptops, and it was like this bulky, like Dell, that cost two thousand dollars for some reason. And the backpack they gave us was very sturdy to hold a laptop, but it's so bulky that it looks like I'm carrying like a bunch of stuff with me. So I was kind of scared that I might have been shanked or <laughs> robbed at one point. So, um, walking down the street. You know, and it's on Hollywood Boulevard. So, you know, I'm seeing these these stars on the road and, you know, 
all the little different stores and people are about, people are partying and cars are going back and forth and honking, trying to get their way. And the area just kept on getting more sketch and more sketch. I, I started to see less people, started to see less traffic lights. So I ended up thinking like, damn, I just probably went the wrong way. Well, luckily there was a convenience store. And so I went into there. They had a map section, thankfully. And thankfully, I knew how to read maps from the many uh, trips I would go with my brother to Philadelphia for video game tournaments. And so I just found where my cross streets were, compared that to where I had to go, and finally came to the realization that I was just walking in the opposite direction. So I put back the map. I bought, uh, I think I bought. Uh, a bottle of Pepsi just to say thanks. And then I scooted out the opposite direction and finally made it to my hotel. And fun fact that this hotel uh, was the same hotel I've been using for uh, future uh, concert trips that my friend got to uh, see over time. Uh, I changed hotels later on once uh, I had an actual job <laughs> and was able to find something different and more more accommodating for me. So to make this site so short, I got to the concert AOK. I got to enjoy watching Boa from super far seats that I'll never buy again. I've included a little screenshot of where I thought I was in comparison to uh, the video that somebody uploaded of her performance. And then I got home safely without any real repercussion or people actually knowing about it. And so this trip kind of started a new tradition where I started attending these Korean music festival concerts in LA almost every year after that. I might have skipped one or two years uh, because I had financial issues, but uh, it's been pretty much a tradition for me to grab tickets now. You know, I don't even care who, who goes there or who performs and grab some friends to come with me, and then we just have a fun time in L.A. So fast forward to the present. Um, I'm still into K-pop, but not as much as I used to be. It got really overwhelming to keep up with artists and music. I swear every year there's 20 or 30 more groups and artists that comes out. And like every year people have promotions, new songs coming out. You know, it's a, it's weird. Um. The weird industry compared to America, I think. In America, we're kind of used to artists releasing albums a lot. Over Korea, I think they focus more on singles or 
uh, you know, an artist may only have an album every like couple of years, but they'll release like a bunch of singles in between that. And it's really odd. Um, that might be different now, so uh, I haven't been catching up with that. But uh, yeah, in the meantime, you know, I got to work for a lot of different uh, K-pop opportunities in media outlets. I learned a lot about advertisement design, print designs. Uh, web design and just graphic design in general. I've gotten paid for a bunch of gigs. I've done gigs for free um, because I was just a designer that didn't know much about the business of design. Uh, I went to tons of concerts. I met a lot of my favorite stars, got to see them in real life, went to fan meetings, hugged and do some high fives with them. And that was just a glorious day, a glorious time period of my life. Um, but the real gem of this whole K-pop era wasn't just uh, going to these concerts, seeing them perform. You know, I got to meet a lot of people that weren't the artists themselves. I got to make and meet a lot of friends online. Um, this community even introduced me to some form of online dating, although at that time I was a bit naive of how that world even worked. Um, on the flip side, uh, I lost touch with friends and lost relationships, but I think there's one thing that always stays uh, always stays around among the K-pop community, and that's that there's this hidden secret bond that we all still enjoy and like our favorite artist of the time, even though they've broken up or maybe they separated to do different things. But we all still remember the memories and moments we've had together as, as that community, whether it be on forums or people talking on Twitter or social media and all that jazz. Um, some of those people I still know to this day, and I even meet up with them to watch K-pop concert once a year or so. And some of those people I kind of just keep on track. Uh, I see that they're doing big things. Some of them are graduating as doctors lawyers or running businesses of their own some are married already some are having or had kids kind of cool to think um, all of us were like yesterday just it felt like yesterday where we were just staying up till midnight in korea's time to wait for like a new release of music or music video and so I don't, I don't think that this K-pop fandom feeling will ever die. You know, even recently, I just had a recent uh, resurgence back into the world. I've listened to more of the music again. I've watched more dance videos. Tried to memorize, memorize names of these groups without using flashcards. Um, watching their variety TV shows and... From all that, you know, I just remembered 
why I got into it into the first place. And, you know, this community is really caring. It's heartwarming. At the same time, it's very entertaining and funny and just overall inspiring. So to end things on a good note, I do want to appreciate the K-pop community for helping me guide where I want it to be. If it wasn't for doing all these graphics and dealing with the fans and creating something cool, I don't think I would have found a passion that I do have for design. So I want to tribute this podcast to all my friends and family that I've made during my prime K-pop era. I know some of you guys are still into it or maybe fell out of it, but I think all of us have taught each other a lot about life more than we thought. And we should give credit where credit is due. So for those that I'm still in connection with, uh, you know who you are. And for those that I'm not in connection with, you know, I appreciate the memories I've had with you and the life lessons I've learned. So that is my episode on K-pop. And, you know, this little side story of how I got into K-pop. And, you know, without it, I wouldn't be into design, to be honest. Thank you all, and I'll see you on the next one.